You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. In two weeks, we're going to be kicking off a new series. So we're in the middle of a series right now called No One Walks Alone. And uh, in two weeks, the uh, second Sunday of September, we're kicking off a series called The God Perspective. And uh, this series is really built around this idea. We are facing so many things in our world that are being interpreted for us. Uh, you watch the news, we all watch the news, or, or stream the news, or, or uh, you know, on social media see the news, and you see the news through certain filters, right? Depending on which filter you're watching, whether that's CNN or Fox News or uh, MSNBC or, or one of the other uh, news uh, channels or avenues. And, and you're getting information through a filter. And uh, what can happen if we're not careful is others can start dictating our response and filter to what's happening in our world. And what we're going to be talking about through the month of September is the God perspective. What is God's perspective, his filter on what's happening in our world? How can we apply that to what we experience and, and see and, and how we respond to that? So it's going to be a really powerful series, basically how can we adopt a biblical worldview of everything that's happening around us? So we'll be kicking that off in just a couple weeks, but uh, today we're in the middle of this series called No One Walks Alone. We kicked it off last week, and, um, and you know, we've been talking about this idea of loneliness, and you know, the, level, the level of loneliness in our world has truly reached epidemic levels. Uh, and we can talk for hours and hours and hours on why this has happened and how we got here, but, but uh, Putting all that aside, I believe strongly that what is taking place in our world and the level of loneliness and isolation that people are experiencing has only further reinforced the incredible role that the church can play in society. We are to be a place of connection, a place of belonging, but, but those aren't really our sole purpose for existence, but they're they are part of it. You see, we're all here ultimately for one reason, that's to grow, to like get better, to, to improve who we are. And one of our core values here at Calvary says this, that we grow best in the context of relationships. And, and, and that core value kind of gets two pieces here. One, that we are here to grow, that who you are today shouldn't be who you are 10 years from now, right? We're here to grow. But, but the other one is that we grow best in the context of relationships, that it's through relationships. It's not just coming to church, keeping your head down, ignoring everyone around you, and walking out. Uh, it's not just, you know, jumping online and watching a service so you can check your box and you move on the rest of your day. No, there's something about relationships that is so valuable in how we're wired and how we grow. Now, what that means practically is, is that a good friend makes you better. A good friend pushes you ultimately to grow. A good friend doesn't let you settle for where you are, but believes in you for more. That's why we're here. God ultimately is something more for you. You might be here today and life isn't where you want it to be. You know, I woke up and saw the news on Saturday that the, that the, the Greater Lake Trail Wildcats beat the Dairy Trojans. Thank you, Scott, for pointing that out. And you know what? I wasn't where I wanted to be, but then I researched that we have more members of our Future Farmers of America club than Latrobe does. So <laughs> I'm proud to say that the FFA is still alive and well in Dairy Area School District. Latrobe, I don't know so much. I mean, I don't know what's happening over there. Um, but but we, 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 you know, here's the deal. Like, where we are, you can, it's okay to be dissatisfied with where you are, 
But God is something more for you. Like where you are isn't where you're going to end. God is something more for you. And you might be here today, and, and you might be discouraged by that. Maybe things haven't worked out the way you'd hoped they'd work out in your life. Maybe, maybe you haven't progressed at the speed uh, in your career, or in your relationships, or your finances, and how you anticipated. Well, a good friend is someone that doesn't let you settle for those disappointments or setbacks, but believes in you for something more. There's something ingrained about relationship. A good friend is someone that sees more for you than what you're currently walking through. A good friend is someone that's never gonna give you up, never gonna let you down, and never, <laughs> never, ever gonna run around and desert you. Like that's, that's a good friend, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, man, that's not where I'm at. You're, you're watching a line and things are going beyond what you could have imagined. Like things are at a great place. You've been fortunate to have things fall your way. You've worked really hard to achieve your goals and you're living out your wildest dreams. And, and I love getting to hear so many that have a dream and run after it. And it's awesome when you can find yourself in those places, and, and for that, we celebrate the amazing things you've been blessed with, the things you're accomplishing, and, and, and in those situations, you need a friend who's willing to celebrate you, cheer you on, congratulate you, and believe in you for something more in your future. You see, we often think of friendships purely from this emotional perspective, that, that a friend is just someone that helps you feel better when you feel isolated or lonely, that, that encourages you when you're down or depressed, and, and those are important. But there's another aspect of friendship that we so often miss. And in fact, it's such a core part, a cornerstone of what community is all about. And it's this simple idea I wanna share with you today that community always changes us. Community always changes us. When you are part of a community, it, it will always change us for the good or the bad. It always changes, and I'm not talking about like brainwashing, like you're part of some cult or whatever. Um, uh, unless you're like a Browns fan or Ravens fan, then you're probably part of a cult. But um, uh, we're, we're talking about community and relationships, and it changes us. In, in fact, just think about how different you are today, for better or worse, than you were as a child. Think about yourself as a six-year-old, or a 10-year-old, or a 12-year-old. Think about who you are today, and how you are different than that person. I would argue and probably be right that a lot of the things that are different in your life, the changes you've gone through, good or bad, were the result of the people around you, the community you were part of, the, the relationships in your life. Uh, as the saying goes, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And, and that sounds like a, you know, it's just a, a kind of a phrase that we hear, but it's true. Uh, or, or you might say, show me your community and I'll show you how you're going to change. Why? Because community changes us. Community always changes us. You see, community isn't just about feeling better about yourself, but it can also be about helping you become a better version of yourself. And it should. In every area of your life, if you want to change, grow, or progress, surround yourself with people who will help you do that. If you want to get better in, in, in shape or, or eat better or, or you want to get better at managing your finances or you want to be a better boss or a better employee or, or a better parent, surround yourself with people who are doing that well and will help you get better at it. That's one of the greatest ways. It's how God has wired us. You will always see more change in your life with people around you pushing you, cheering for you and encouraging you than you will if you're trying to go it on your own. 
You just try to figure it out on your own. Can you do it on your own? Maybe, but you will always be more effective when you invite others in. Now, how that change or growth happens can largely be influenced by the values of the community you're part of. Let me give you an example. If you were born just outside of Berlin, Germany in 1938, pre-World War II Germany, how you act and, and your behaviors and your beliefs and your way of life would have largely been influenced by the community you were part of. And, and because control was such a strong value of that specific community, transformation and change would have happened largely in your life through command and control tactics. There, there would be steep penalties for disobeying the orders. You would pay a high price if you stepped out of the guidelines or rules the German government and military were mandating. You had to look the part, play the part, fall in line or else. That was the, the value set of that community specifically. Now contrast that with our local fitness centers around here. If you were to go to one of the many fitness centers in this area to get healthier or maybe, maybe to get in better shape, you would first willingly sign up for a membership and you would pay your own hard-earned money to, go, to do that. And then within their operating hours, you can actually walk in and use whatever equipment you want, do whatever you want. Like, there's no one looking over your shoulder saying you're not quite doing that right. You can do whatever you want. You can, you can sit there on your phone for like two hours and feel like you did a workout and do absolutely nothing. You can. Or you can sit there and like, you know, bench press, you know, 200 pounds and like you're a monster or something. And you can do whatever you want. Why? Because in that setting, in that community, the value they have is freedom and independence. And, and, and you grow in that community through that value. And, and uh, in that environment, you're, you're in the driver's seat because that kind of community values this independence. And if it's true, that community always changes us. The value of that community will guide how that change happens and whether or not that change is good or bad. For those of you that would consider yourself followers of Jesus, this is so important. And if, if you're here, you're watching, and, and you're just checking things out, you might wanna hear this as well. We Christians, we followers of Jesus, we believe strongly that change should happen in our lives that we shouldn't stay the same. In, in fact, we should constantly be changing. After all, our life's journey is one of constant redemption, renewal, and transformation. This is the way of Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. The analogy of a flowing stream has always spoke to me. That, that uh, a stream that isn't flowing somewhere becomes stagnant and can stink. Uh, but Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.15 that we are to be the aroma of Christ, that we should be going somewhere, right? Uh, so why don't, you, why don't you turn to your neighbor real quick and tell him this, keep moving so you don't stink. <clears throat> Can you do that? Keep moving so you don't stink. <clears throat> we don't, <clears throat> here, here at Calvary, you know, we wanna welcome everyone to, to experience Jesus, but we don't need no stinkers, Okay. <laughs> How's that? You can, you can quote that. One chapter later, in 2 Corinthians chapter three, the apostle Paul writes about this. Here's, here's what he said. So all of us have had the, that veil removed 
Uh, all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Now, let me give you a little context for this because that sounds really weird, like are we all brides or what is this? Um, he is referring to a story in the Old Testament when Moses went into what they called the tent of meeting and they met, he met with God face to face, like this remarkable moment. And as Moses left the tent of meeting, his face was glowing. Like that's how close he was. Wasn't that amazing to be that close to God? Well, he put a veil over his face so as that glow diminished, people couldn't tell. Because the thought was, well, if the glow diminishes, like he's not spent enough time with God or something along those lines. And so he'd cover his face. And, and, and Paul is referencing that and he's saying, all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. So reflecting the glow, the glory of God. And he goes on, and the Lord, who is the spirit, listen to this, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. What's Paul writing about? And this isn't the only place he writes about this. He writes about this numerous times in his epistles, his letters throughout the New Testament, that we have this understanding, we have this context that uh, following Jesus is about following, it's about growing, it's about moving, it's about continually being transformed into the likeness of Christ. Do we get that all the time? Absolutely not. I don't know about you, but we screw up, right? We mess up, we fall short. We don't always get it right. And, and the importance isn't to like try to be perfect all the time because you can't be perfect, I can't be perfect, we can't be perfect. The importance isn't that we try to be perfect every time. The importance is that we're constantly growing, progressing. So the goal is progress, not perfection, okay? And, and Paul is talking about this is part of what it means to follow Jesus. We should be constantly growing. So we understand that, that change is normal, change is healthy, and change is a necessary part of our lives, but the question is, what values impact how we change? So change should always be happening. You know, in the church world, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I've been in a church my entire life for, you know, a good part of over four decades. And um, I have watched in my lifetime the church change. Not this just church, not just this church, but the church in general. The church has changed. And you know what? The church has always been changing. If you went back to the first century, and how they did church, it's a little different than we do today. We have uh, this thing called electricity now that they didn't have. Um, we have a lot of different factors that impact how church happens. Uh, the church is always changing. Why? Because we are always to be changing. Do we change our message? Absolutely not. God's word is God's word. But we're always changing. We're growing and we're learning how to follow Jesus more effectively. So change is important, but the question is how? And when we ask questions like, what should we do or how should we do something? For those of you who are followers of Jesus, we don't look to our culture. We don't necessarily look to normal human practice. Those things can maybe inform us, but that's not where we look. We should always come back to the model that Jesus has put in place. And we ask this question, what, you've probably heard it, what, what would Jesus do? What did Jesus do and how can we learn from that? Well, Jesus, he was born into a Jewish world that was looking desperately for change. They desperately wanted change. They were living under Roman oppression. They hated it. They despised the Romans. They felt like they were enslaved again. And they desperately wanted change. But they were looking for a command and control Messiah. A person that would arrive on the scene and bring about this change that Jews were longing for. They, they were looking for a revolutionary that was going to create this upheaval and this revolt against Roman rule. And you see, for a number of years, they had been anticipating this leader that was gonna rise up, was going to overthrow the Roman government, bring about Israel's independence, and finally restore the military might and power they once possessed. They had been waiting for this, longing for it, and they knew it was gonna happen. But then Jesus arrives. And Jesus arrived on the scene 
And he would be surprisingly none of those things. He wasn't what they were looking for. This is one of the reasons Jews had such a difficult time seeing Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, because he operated with such a different set of values than what they thought the Messiah would possess. And so as Jesus started his public ministry at 30 years old, he wouldn't mandate or demand or acquire, but instead he would invite 12 men into a teacher-student relationship that would change the course of those men's lives and change the course of human history. This was not just an unexpected approach, though, for Jews who were looking for this certain type of Messiah with certain values, who was more militant, but it was also a pretty uncommon uh, practice for the broader religious world at that time and even today. In most of the world religions, even the world religions today, and for the cultural deity present in the first century Roman world, they were seen as these powerful, mighty beings, that deity were these impressive figures. And because of this, deity were very distant and untouchable because they were too strong and powerful and you didn't want to, uh, uh, you know, uh, in any way uh, offset the, 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 the power that they possessed. And this is a staple of the common human perspective on God, that God is bigger than us, God is better than us, and because of that, he is going to be unapproachable for us. And, and then this guy named Jesus shows up and blows the whole thing up. Jesus was a man who was literally God in the flesh, God incarnate. God literally stepped out of heaven to live in our shoes, to experience our hurt, our pain, our disappointment, and that God who would show up and, and, and come onto the scene and really break the paradigm of what God was supposed to be. He said things like this. It's recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 15. Listen to this. He said, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. What is he talking about? In verse 14, he said, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now he's calling his disciples his friends, and here he goes on. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Now, I want to stop there for a second. Leave that verse on the screen. He said, I have, right, can you go back to the verse before that? Sorry. Um, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Think about this. Um, there is a level of vulnerability that he's talking about, of pulling back the veil that we just, we just talked about in 2 Corinthians 3. He's pulling back the veil. There is something that happens when it's not just a servant master, it's not just a teacher student, it's a friend. There's a level of, of uh, not just vulnerability, but, but of transparency that takes place in that kind of a setting. Jesus is saying, that's the arrangement we have. You know, if you go into, you know, the principal's office, you get pulled over by a police officer or anything, like you're, you're kind of nervous and anxious and you're like, don't want them to know all of your business because you might get in trouble. Um, I guess this as a pastor. Sometimes people come to my office and they think like, God just tells me what you're doing wrong. <laughs> and uh, like Nick's gonna call me out on everything I've done wrong. And so, you know, I go through my list. I'm like, um, you didn't fully come to a stop at that stop sign. Um, I know it was Barnes Lake Road, but still, you need to stop. There are, there are laws in place for a reason. And then uh, you, you yelled at your child. Uh, he didn't do anything wrong. He, he simply didn't put the juice back in the fridge and you need to get over it, okay? And then I go through my list. That's not how that works, right? God, who literally knows your thoughts, like the God who has seen all that you've done wrong, the mistakes you've made, and the times you've fallen short, that God 
doesn't consider you a servant master. No, because you know the master's business and he knows your business and he still calls you a friend. That's powerful. And he goes on. He said, instead I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Like this is Jesus' words to his disciples. Could you imagine being one of those 12 and you've sat in awe as Jesus has raised the dead, healed the lame and the sick, as he has performed miracles, fed thousands of people with just a few pieces of bread and fish. Like you have watched him do miraculous things and that's the guy that you feel would be untouchable. He's an influencer. Like you can't get too close. Like you gotta keep your distance and you're trying to keep everyone else's distance. You wanna protect him. And he's like, no, I consider you a friend. You know my business and I know your business and we're friends. And he didn't just say that to his disciples. He says that to you and to me. It's not about your title, your background, what you're walking through. Like he considers you a friend. Think about that. What kind of a God does this? It's a God that has this strong value for relationship. One that was willing to walk alone to the cross to make sure no one ever has to walk alone. This is the God we're talking about. He didn't just say those things that there's no greater love than when a friend lays down his life for another. Like he doesn't just say that, he practiced it. He literally walked to the cross and did that. He put his words into practice and he went to that cross. He laid down his life for his friends. And while our calling today to biblical community and friendship isn't necessarily a calling to physically die, It's about dying to our own interests for the sake of our friends. It's about giving up our preferences, our desires, our dreams, our hopes for the sake of others. And that is one of the most countercultural concepts in today's Western world that you could ever hear. In a world, it's all about I gotta get mine. I gotta get what's mine and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get there. Jesus says the opposite. This is actually... The Apostle Paul encouraged the Philippian church with these words in his letter to them in Philippians chapter two, verse three. Here's what he said. He said, do nothing. Can you say nothing? Nothing. Maybe you've heard me say this before. If you go to the original Greek, which this was written in, the word nothing deep down into the language of the Greek language and how diverse and, and, and wonderful it is. It, you know what that word means? Nothing. Like, that's what it means. It means Nothing. It means nothing. He said, do nothing. Not like, only, only, like do the things that see, everyone sees in church. Do the things that are like religious. Don't do those out of selfish ambition, but everything else. You know, if you're work, go for it. Like run over people if you have to. No, he said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, meaning like it's all about me. <clears throat> Rather, instead, in humility, value others above. Can you say above? Above yourself, not below yourself, above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So what are your eyes fixed on? Not your own interests, but the interests of others. Personally, that means that as a follower of Jesus, the universe doesn't revolve around you. Hopefully that's not like, you know, a huge revelation for you today. If it is, there you go. The universe doesn't revolve around you and it doesn't revolve around me. But for followers of Jesus, the universe revolves around others. Life-changing. 
And beyond that, when you find yourself part of a community where everyone is looking out for the interests of others, which the church is supposed to be, you'll find yourself in a place where you will always be taking steps toward your growth and your potential because community always changes us. Healthy community changes us for good. When you are in a community where everyone is looking out for each other's interests, you're helping each other grow and push each other. This is a principle that we see throughout the Bible from beginning to end. Even the author of Hebrews, he would challenge his readers with with this idea in Hebrews chapter 10. He said, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, that we push each other, we spur each other on, we challenge each other, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. What's the author of Hebrews saying? He's saying for these Romans, these Roman citizens, these, these uh, residents of the Roman Empire who are incredibly independent, who, who like to, to do what's right for them. Sound familiar? Like this is the picture of today's American. We like to do what's best for me. He's saying, don't just try to figure it out on your own like you can figure it out by yourself. Don't neglect meeting together. Why? Because when you gather together in that community, you push each other. You spur each other on toward love and good deeds. And you can't do that on your own. And, and, and when you understand this cornerstone of community, which is change, and when you understand the amazing role intentional community and relationships can have on your own growth and development, it brings up these two really important questions that we have to process as a worship team comes today. First question is this, what community are you part of that is changing you for the better? What community are you part of that is changing you for the better? This is a question of being intentional. I know we have so much on our plate and there's so many things that we're trying to figure out and just survive and keep our head above water. But for this brief moment, can you put all that aside and be intentional for a second, not reactive, Not like, well, I'm just doing what I gotta do, but be a little proactive. What community are you part of that is changing you for the better? Or maybe you're not part of any community that's changing you for the better. You need to be intentional about putting people around you, bringing people, stepping into a community that can help you get better, can help you grow. This might be a group of friends that get together to walk and you walk around Indian Lake or wherever, or this might be a group of friends that just, you just get together every so often to catch up on life. This could be a cohort at work where everyone is working to develop and refine their abilities, their leadership skills. This is why here at Calvary, we have life groups. It's a place where you can grow in your understanding of what it means to follow Jesus, but also develop relationships with others. Life groups aren't just some program we do because we're supposed to do it. No, it's, it's, it's creating a, a, an environment, a culture, a community that can help you grow. What are we doing? We're putting this into practice. We're trying to create spaces for you to grow. Once you identify the community you're part of, the second question you need to ask is this. What are the values that define how change happens in that community? What are the values that define how it happens? Is it a command and control type of community? Is it a community that values independence? Is it a community that values goal setting? Or, or, or is it one that values relationships? What are the values that influence how you can grow? Why is that important? Because it's important to know not just that you're growing, but how you're growing. Because if how you're growing doesn't mesh up with how you grow, that's gonna be a problem. How are you growing? What are the values that influence how you're growing? And as I mentioned earlier, one of our values here is that we grow best in the context of relationships. Life groups 
are an opportunity to grow best in that context. Because we wanna create as many pathways as possible for you to grow and develop into the men and women God created you to be. We don't want that to be, have so many hurdles that you can't do that. The, these uh, life groups, they're not Bible studies where people sit in rows and listen to a teacher teach. They're circles where discussion and interaction can happen. That you grow in your relationships and you grow in your understanding of how you're following Jesus. They're, they're not designed to be a, a place where an expert is just telling you what to do. We need more circles because we grow best in circles, not in rows. We grow best in the context of relationships. And, and today as we prepare to wrap up, what community are you part of that's helping you grow and what are the values that define how change happens in that community? These are, these are questions that you might not have an answer to right out of the gate, but I'd encourage you to think about them. Today, uh, on your way out in the foyer, some of our life group hosts are gonna be there to talk to you about the different groups we have offered this upcoming fall semester. You might be like, I've never been part of a life group. I would encourage you, be intentional, give it a try. There's a lot of different groups covering a lot of different topics and studies. Try it and see how you can grow. I'm not gonna say that joining a life group is gonna like help you find your best friend for the rest of your life, but I can promise you this, that you're gonna grow and you're gonna meet people that you can at least relate to. Because we're all real people, we're imperfect people, and we're trying to go this journey together. Last week, if you were with us, we talked about one of the great things that happen on a journey of relationships is when you can be on this journey, you're intentional about where you're going, you're being purposeful, and you can see others who are on the same journey, and you can relate to what they're walking through. That's the idea of a life group. It's not a program, it's a bunch of circles where people gather together to study God's word together collectively in a community that can change you. So I'd encourage you to check one out. Uh, they'll be starting up in a couple weeks. And as we prepare to go, I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray that the Holy Spirit will keep in focus the intentionality of community in your life. That you recognize, you, whether you be like, I'm, I'm so uh, independent and strong-willed and like driven, I don't need people. If that's your, your kind of uh, wiring, that you would recognize we all need people because community changes us. And if we're gonna get better and grow and strengthen ourselves and, and grow in our walk with Jesus and grow in every area, any area of our life, we need community. Or if you, on the other side, you think, man, I've tried and I'm just so disappointed. I can't, I can't be hurt again. I encourage you, give community a try again because we need it. We need it to heal. We need it to be restored. We need it to grow. So as we pray today, I wanna to pray that God will give you this incredible reminder of being intentional about community. That you can understand if you're not part of a community of any sort, whether that be here in church or at work or anywhere else, that you'd be intentional about stepping into a, a, a sense of community, a circle of friends where relationships can help you grow, help you develop, help you become a better parent, or employee or boss, follower of Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, I thank you for what you're doing in my, our lives. God, I thank you for how you're moving. God, what an incredible privilege it is to follow you. God, what an even greater privilege it is to follow you in a context of a community like this, that we don't go it alone, that we don't have to figure this out on our own, but God, that we get to work this all out together. As your word says, Lord, sometimes with fear and trembling, we work out our faith, but we get to do it together. 
God, I pray you would connect us to the right people, the right circles and groups that allow us to not become stagnant, but to grow, to improve. Lord, to, 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 to take on the image of Christ more and more in our words, in our actions, our responses, in our heart, and our mind, our thoughts, our attitudes. Let us take on the model of Jesus, I pray. God, as we take on the model of Jesus, God, I pray that you would allow us to not just grow and get better and stronger and healthier spiritually, but God, let us become a better reflection of you to the world outside these walls, that people could see something different in us. God, God, empower us, equip us, connect us with the right people. Let us be intentional. Holy Spirit, keep it in our minds to be intentional about the community we're part of. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 